Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 45 begins with Lester's legs going limp, a stinger fading out. We are outside the Wallace house. As I mentioned in Minute 44, this is the dog trainer, as Michael, holding the dog. Its legs dangle naturally, and they just slowed down the footage to make it look like it's dying. From the script, finally the dog's legs stop moving and dangle lifelessly. The shape moves away from the house, which we don't actually see that last part. What we do get is a nice creepy moment, a little heavy breathing, some crickets. And then second five, we cut to RKO fanfare music. But before we get to what we're looking at here, we have a guest, Harper Harris of The Thing Minute. Welcome, Harper. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Now, this TV is not the TV in the room in this movie. I just want to note that because there's no way with the wall as dark as it is around it, it's the TV they keep showing us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But this is also John Carpenter's personal one-inch video copy of yep. uh, the thing from another world. So playing probably it's the TV's probably at like Carpenter's house or somewhere convenient. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. I wondered where they shot it. I was, I was wondering how they hooked it up because like... I looked up. I'd, I'd never really heard of a one-inch tape, videotape. Yeah, tape. Old. <laughs> yeah like and I, I've never actually. Yeah, because yeah, he talks about it on the commentary, and I thought maybe some at beta beta tape or something. But yeah, it's it's like real to real style. Yeah, tape. yeah, beta so, would yeah. be smaller than yeah, VHS. Yeah. This is bigger. So I don't even know how you'd hook that to a TV. I'm I'm curious now. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like I don't know anyone who has those. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. But I do love that. I love that this was his personal TV and his uh, his copy of the movie because that's so like uh, you know this movie is super exciting as a John, as a huge John Carpenter fan just because it's so early in his career and so it's like it feels very polished now because you know we've all seen it a million times and yeah. it's such a classic. But you know, looking at it in the light of like you know he's such a young filmmaker, this is you know really kind of his big break and. So, yeah, I mean, like, this is his TV. Like, he's just like, hey, I like this movie. Let's put this on. <laughs> yeah, aside from uh, Donald Pleasance, John Carpenter, he's the oldest person on the set, but he's only 30 when he makes this. Wow, I didn't realize he was the oldest person on the set. That's yeah. really interesting. And there's a bunch of, like, film filmmakers and filmmaker wannabes who, like, barely out of college. Yeah. So. Well, and yeah, and then so many of these guys, this is the movie, not just John Carpenter, but yeah, so many people in the crew, this movie made their careers. Yeah. Especially because John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had a tendency to bring the same people back and have their whole entourage mm -hmm. of from people. Yeah, it was interesting uh, in, in doing the thing, especially during like the credits minutes. Um, when I was kind of researching names that popped up, it was uh, really interesting to see how many people came from Halloween 2. Mm, for yeah. whatever reason so that for uh, you know a lot of the folks from this movie obviously carried over into different john carpenter movies as well but it seemed like the majority of like kind of the the basic crew some of the lower crew guys um grips and stuff like that came from halloween too so it seems like that's when he kind of um even though he didn't direct it that's the movie that he kind of solidified his like core crew which is kind of strange. it also would have been when they had a bigger crew right like right. halloween has a very small crew Tommy Lee Wallace is credited, I think, with three roles and really was doing like six. Right. <laughs> so what he was doing for the movie. But yeah, I noticed when I, I watched the thing again just a couple nights ago and it's the same cameraman. And, yep. you know, 
a bunch of the names in the credits. I'm like, oh, I know that name. I know that. <laughs> I know. It's funny, especially doing these minute podcasts. Like, I recognize the the weirdest villain. I'm like, oh, Ray Stella, that camera operator. I exactly. know him. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I have a picture of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I was I listened to um, Wilder Ride. You know, they're doing yeah. Young Frankenstein. They keep talking about, what's his name? Arthur Macklin? Now I'm forgetting his first name. He's the cemetery, the graveyard keeper in this movie. Oh man! And so I when I got to that. describe him, I'm like, "Hey, I recognize that name." <laughs> they were just oh, talking that's about so it. Funny. <laughs> so yeah, it's like all these little details you pay more attention to in this format. It's sometimes it's annoying, as listeners will know. A few minutes ago, I was very obsessed about Tommy's costume in this movie, <laughs> um, and spent hours trying to figure out what it was. I was going to ask you. I'm now. I, I want to know what you uh, what you figured out because that was that was a question I had in my notes. Is what the hell is he? He's some kind of well, astronaut, right? Okay, I can tell you. Uh, in previous minutes, I couldn't yet. Now that minute would have happened, listeners would hear it. He's, he's wearing a belt from Space 1999, which people have known for years. Like that, okay. It's really mm-hmm. clear and obvious. His outfit, though, the tag on his right breast says astronaut. Yeah. The one on the left is a patch that, as far as I know, doesn't exist. What does it say? Or what is it? It doesn't say anything. It's got a picture like a red planet, maybe Mars. Yeah. And a thing landing on it. It looks similar to... A I forget which Mars patch it is. I said a few minutes ago. Um, it looks similar to, but distinctly different. It's missing something in the air, I think. And it has no words around it. Interesting. And then a U.S. flag. So it's clearly an astronaut costume. Yeah. I mean, you know, all astronauts wear a patch that says astronaut, just in case you couldn't tell. Well, but... then you can tell it's a cheap astronaut costume. Right. <laughs> it's something basic. It's like when you get the the Batman costume that has a picture of Batman on the front, not the Batman logo. Right. <laughs> so I spent... Ended up, I mean, I'll cut the story short because I've already told this to the listeners. Yeah, yeah. I ended up looking looking up old, like, JCPenney catalogs and Sears catalogs from 77, like their Christmas oh, catalogs, and 78, and looking at what kind of costumes they have. This wasn't in there. And then my mom used to, like, make costumes and make clothes for us because sure. she had a lot of kids. And so I started looking up old, like, patterns and I found a sim- simplicity is the company pattern that had an astronaut costume that looks like this one. The patches, yeah. I still can't quite figure out where they come from. But the costume's the same, the neck's the same. And I think in this minute we get a glimpse of it. His costume has a helmet. Oh, does it really? It has a cloth helmet that is sitting on the far arm of the couch, and you can barely see it. He never has it on, oh, you're but right. it is sitting there. And when I noticed that, I'm like, I found it. It's the costume. <laughs> Like I've That's figured awesome. it out. But that was several hours over two or three nights of <laughs> just looking through old catalogs online, like yeah. whatever I could find. Oh, yes. I, uh, I I did some – I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what um, – I can't remember the name of the magazine now, but it's like a movie entertainment magazine that Windows is reading in the thing. I spent – an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out which issue it was and what he might have been reading about. And I, it was very difficult to find. <laughs> so I feel your pain. Yeah. So yeah, it, this format makes for that. And so it can be fun. It can be annoying, but <laughs> it, when you find it, it's good. Yeah. So we get the RKO radio picture logo, the Winchester pictures corporation logo, uh, and apparently, Thing from Another World is one of only two films that used it. 
yeah. When, well, the, that was that was Hawks. Is it? It's yeah. I was trying to look it up because it looks like Winchester is. Is it like an imprint of RKO? Yeah, it was Howard it Hawks up, was, Production yeah. Company. Okay, okay. And it was Winchester is Howard Hawks' middle name. Yeah. And then the title card comes in the thing. And so this is yeah, 1951's the thing from another world, based on the 1938 novella Who Goes There, by which is I forget which one's his fake name and which one's his real name. John W. Campbell writing as Don A. Stewart. That was his, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's it had two right. names on it. I'm like, which one's which? <laughs> and John Carpenter, of course, is Harper would know. Re- would right. remake it in 1982. Yeah, and it's uh yeah I should should point out very loosely based on that shirt story. <laughs> Actually, this... I I thought uh, parts of the the thing 1982 were closer uh-huh. to some of the story than Oh, definitely. The older movie obviously cuz they couldn't do the shape changing thing or any oh, of that. Yeah. They just had this weird plant looking guy. Right. Cuz they couldn't do it. But plot-wise yeah. it's like the 1982 version happens just like the new remake re boot whatever you want to call the one from a couple years ago mm-hmm. the 1982 version happens right after the thing like it's it's right after the plot that was part of the story except right. then takes the character names from the original novella anyway yeah i was i was really surprised at how closely john carpenter's the thing follows the the novella you know that was written in the you know yeah. the 30s um it's pretty damn close in in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and yeah, the original movie, Think from Another World, has very little in common with the short story aside from, uh, you know, that there's a UFO under the ice. Yeah. Like, that's almost the only thing that it... When it has, like, 40 minutes of setup before right. it gets to the part of the, the novella. Mm-hmm. And probably also because they couldn't... They had to establish their characters. They didn't have a monster to deal to make a big deal of, so they had to limit it. Right. So the structure's different. They do go together rather well, though. I watched. Yeah, they do. I watched the thing from another world. I think it was last Wednesday night, and then I watched the thing Thursday night. And I was going to watch the newer. I think the newer one's just also called the thing, right? Yeah. I was going to watch that the next night. I didn't get. I ended up being too busy. Yeah, you could skip it. But I have. I saw it when it came <laughs> out, but I was going to watch yeah. it again to see how it connects to that story as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah I mean it it it's it's funny since there's three movies essentially based around the same story that yeah the the original kind of loosely takes some ideas and kind of does its own thing John Carpenter's is pretty close but then obviously makes it a little bit more graphic um, although I was you know the the original novella has a lot of that same stuff the blood test and a lot of that yeah. stuff is in there and then yeah the the 2011 the thing is really doesn't have anything to do with the novella as much as it is like you know adding story on to the remake so it's like you know i i'm sure listeners of uh of your podcast will already be very used to very complicated continuities yes i think, I think the <laughs> halloween halloween canon is among the most complicated and yeah we have confusing. a new movie coming out that ignores all but the first yep we already had a remake and a sequel to the remake mm-hmm. we had H20 and uh, Resurrection, which ignored all but the first, what, two? Two, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, first two. Yeah, Ever so complicated. Because you had to keep Lori left. Yeah. My, my favorite thing is it gets even weirder if you read the comics, because Chaos Comics, which I haven't gotten to talk about in a while, tried to connect Halloween 6 to H20. Really? And Why? merge them in. <laughs> 
no, I got, I liked it. You know, I want them to be together. I want the new one to fit too. And I'm like trying to figure out a way for it to happen. I haven't seen the yeah. new one yet, so I don't know. But I want I want them all to just be nice together. It'll uh, it'll be. Are you a um, are you a Zelda game fan? I've only ever played the original. Oh, okay, because so, yeah, I was gonna say this sounds like uh, they did a whole thing a few years ago where they because the Zelda games all don't really have a continuity up until recently, but then. Like a, a couple of years ago, they put out this book, the um, Hyrule Historia, where they bend over backwards to make them all have like fit into this one canon. And it's super complicated because they have like uh, it all depends on like uh, two different like three different timelines, like whether Link survives or, or fails. <laughs> well, Rex is a video game. <laughs> right. So it's super. Yeah. So it's super complicated. I'm, so I imagine at some point, maybe somebody will put a book out that'll uh, that'll do that for the Halloween movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately the last comic they did uh the first death of Laurie strode never sold its third issue it never was even, i don't think it was even printed because it just I've wasn't never heard of those yeah there were only a few i know um 30 years of terror actually i think sold pretty well and it was just a bunch of like single short story comic things uh related to the original movie that's pretty interesting and so those were cool but then they had some follow-up ones and they didn't do very well yeah, the thing comics are pretty hit or miss as well. Mostly miss. They kind of they kind of uh, suck all the life out of the the amazing, incredible ending of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> kind of hard to follow that up. <laughs> yeah, you don't follow that. Um, yeah, so John Carpenter liked Tower Hawks. Obviously, he has cited him in norm- numerous interviews as an influence. And here in Halloween, Sheriff Lee Brackett is named for the screenwriter of Hawks film Rio Bravo. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I know Rio Bravo is one of his, uh, one of John Carpenter's personal favorites. I just, when I was looking up stuff uh, for this, I didn't realize that John Carpenter is on the commentary for Rio Bravo, which is very funny to me. Wait, like an official commentary for it? I think so. Huh, yeah, I think he's like cool. on the Blu-ray. So as a, you know, as a fan, <laughs> which is just so cool. It's it's uh, that's one of the things I love about John Carpenter is just he, you know, as as big as he got and as you know as much of an idol as he is for folks like me he's still very much like a, a fan of movies and he seems like a very approachable fun friendly guy you know yeah <laughs> like just the fact that he did a commentary for somebody else's movie is kind of awesome to me yeah i could listen to that it's been a while since i've oh no i think i watched rio bravo when i was doing a month of westerns for my blog so i saw it a few years ago so second 35 we cut to interior, Doyle house, living room, night. But before we get to Tommy's questions, we've got guest questions. Harper, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, number one. Have you ever murdered anyone, or do you plan to? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> this is not a court of law. I'm not sure if you're allowed to do that, but I guess it's okay. Um, Number two. <laughs> how do you think the thing relates to Halloween, like thematically? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, I think to me, the thing that ties uh, nearly all of John Carpenter's movies together is a sense of um, perspective. So the idea that particularly like the opening shot of Halloween, you know, obviously we're yeah. in inside the eyes of Michael Myers, that that kind of thing goes with all of his movies, I think. And particularly the thing is all about perspective and the, the fact that you through one person's eyes, you can never know what's happening behind somebody else's. Mm, right. So, you know, the fact that you don't know who somebody really is and you can't really 100% relate to somebody. It's like this, there's like this barrier of, of empathy between his characters uh, and people struggling to, to trust each other. And I think that's definitely, definitely in play here where like, you know, you're kind of set up to 
be in the shoes of Michael Myers from the very beginning. And then obviously that's kind of turned on its head with, you know, when Laurie kind of becomes the protagonist. So Which takes a while. That's that's what I would say. Yeah, a very long while. It's really interesting, really, if you kind of look at it from that perspective, like who is your protagonist in the movie? It's not as it's not an easy easy it's it's a harder question to answer than it would yeah. seem. Uh, like we're introduced to Laurie first, but for a while Annie gets more screen time. Oh yeah. And it focuses on her. And and Dr. Loomis. Yeah, too. and Dr. Loomis is clearly a protagonist of a story that's happening. We're just not quite mm-hmm. seeing all of that story. We're getting glimpses of it here and there because he doesn't get to do for the second half of this movie. He's not doing much. He stands around. Right, he just kind of wanders around and over yells at kids and stuff. But yeah, it is interesting. I think that's one of the things that to me, the uh, most of the sequels don't get. They kind of take the wrong lesson from that and think that, okay, so if, if you know, Laurie doesn't have to be in the movie and the main protagonist 100% throughout, then we can just have it be a bunch of people and most of those people will get killed yeah. and that's cool. But I think uh, the in this one, it's a little bit more carefully crafted. So it's not it's not that there is no protagonist. It's that you are intended to be confused about who you're rooting for. Yeah, with and with this cast, it's small enough that unlike some slasher films that would come later, it's more it can be more obvious because yeah. it's not yeah, a dozen people that are probably all going to die except for one. We got three. And then when Bob shows up, four. You know, mm-hmm. It's 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 a simpler version of what the slasher film would be later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. One thing I noticed uh, watching the thing this past week, and I liked as a specific sort of visual reference for me, is when the dog first goes is put in the pen with the other dogs, mm-hmm. and he just sits there and stares at the wall. Oh, so creepy. Because <laughs> that's the description of Michael, and that in the movie version anyway, is that in his hospital room, he just sat and stared. Oh, yeah. That's a good good one. And when he tilts his head, it's like a dog. You know, it's, it's he's similar to the thing, and that thing in a way, and that he can yeah. be... He's got the mask, which I've talked a few times about, like studies about anonymity and like violence. Yeah, I think you're, you're definitely right. That's another really good thematic thing that ties ties the, these two movies together, but also a lot of Carpenter movies, is that, that sense of like the faceless evil like yeah like michael does not have a personality really aside from like one or two moments like like the kind of things where he like tilts his head and stuff are like you know it gives him a little bit of character but for the most part he's just like a a force for evil and the the thing is the same way and i would say uh you know the evil in prince of darkness or um or in the mouth of madness are very similar in that same way too it's not it's not a antagonist with a background that, you know, it's like, oh, like they did in the remake of Halloween. Like, that's a very different yeah, version of Michael. Trying to where, explain him. Yeah, which is, you know, I don't necessarily hate, but I, I think this is definitely in line more with Carpenter's kind of overall themes and things like that. Yeah, I've said in, in the show before that I like the remake. I think it's a good movie. Yeah, I think I it's too. not a good Halloween movie. Yeah. Because it's doing something so different that it, I think it would have been better served by being its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I know those, those two movies catch a lot of flack and I'm, I'm really not a fan of the second one at all, but I do think the first one is, is really interesting. And I think, you know, as a, as a big fan of Halloween, when it, I wasn't as, as obsessed with it then as I was, as I am now, but like when it was coming out, I'm, you know, I'm glad they did something very different with it. I feel like just doing a remake where it's basically the same movie, just, you know, with a little bit more modern style is not, there's no point to that. Yeah. So I'm glad he did something different with it. 
you know, I I prefer the the way Michael is approached in this one, obviously, but you know, it's it's just a different uh different way to look at it. Yeah, and the review I read a, I finally read a review of the new one today. I've been avoiding them mostly. Yeah, I have. But to. I was I had a guarantee <laughs> that it had no spoilers, so I'm like, okay, I'll click. Yeah. Keep in mind, this episode was recorded well before I saw the film and already reviewed it twice, just a few days ago. And it made it sound pretty good, like they're dealing with sort of what violence in one generation can do to the next and the next. Oh, that's Because it changes the way Lori is as a person, so she raises her daughter a certain way that affects the granddaughter. And so it sounds like it could be interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. Yeah, my thoughts about the new one are that, like in order to kind of temper my expectations to me, if I walk away with a good new John Carpenter score, then I am going to be perfectly happy. Even if the movie's <laughs> total garbage, I'll be thrilled that there's a new John Carpenter score out there. Um, but uh, you know, if the movie's great, then that's a, that's cherry on top. Yeah. Now the last question or th- question three, mm-hmm. unless if it's the obvious, we'll have to reword it, but what's your favorite horror film? Uh, yeah, it may be the obvious one. <laughs> it is It is the thing, I think, tops the list. I, ha- okay. I have like a, a pretty solid top five, but that one typically isn't isn't shaken. Yeah, I, 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 put, uh, I put Alien and The Shining and uh, uh, what else is in my top five? Um, I think Return of the Living Dead might be in there. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if any other John Carpenter movies make my top uh, horror movies, but he is maybe my favorite director. So, I mean, Halloween is my second favorite carpenter movie yeah he has a he has a style where you know what to expect from him and he doesn't overdo it like some directors would like tarantino i think is a great director but the more movies he made the more i didn't like him yeah because he has his excesses and he embraces them i don't know if john carpenter ever did he almost went in the opposite direction with some of like body bags or some oh, sure. later things. Yeah. Well, and he's such an interesting director too, because I think from kind of a like outside perspective, it doesn't seem like John Carpenter has like a defined style. Like most people could watch a movie, uh, one of his movies and not really know that it's him unless, you know, you told him, uh, except for the fact that he puts his name in the titles. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the, he doesn't, it like when you watch a Tarantino movie, you can tell a hundred percent at oh, yeah. any given moment that it's a Tarantino movie. Right. But yeah, with Carpenter, that stuff is a little bit more subtle. Um, and I think honestly that actually connects well with this minute because I think that's him trying to emulate Hawks as his hero because uh, you know, Howard Hawks did have, some kind of thematic things that carried over. Like um, I know Carpenter always cites like the camaraderie camaraderie of men in a difficult situation is kind of the, the Hawks thing. Um, And that's, and that's also a John Carpenter thing for sure. But um, you know, he tried to do, even though he's always pegged as a horror guy and you know, his Twitter handle is the horror master, obviously, but (laughs) he, he did not just do horror movies, you know, no, no. uh, you know, his first movie is a very straight sci-fi movie or sci-fi comedy. Almost. Sci-fi comedy, and, yeah. And then, you know, something like Big Trouble in Little China and Starman are, you know, those are movies that you wouldn't attach to the person. You wouldn't automatically assume is the same person who did something like Halloween. Well, even some of his horror, I forgot until someone mentioned it this past week that he did Christine. That's right. Yeah, that's a great movie. And I, I didn't connect it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like I got to go watch Christine again because. Yeah. I forgot that was him. He's just done so many. I mean, you know, the the Elvis. Uh, oh uh, yeah, he made the picture Elvis that movie. he did before. Uh, that was right before this, right? I uh, think so. Yeah. Or yeah, they yeah, made so, it before this. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of his career is is insane to me, and the fact <laughs> that he was making this movie at the basically at the same time he was making uh somebody's watching me is yeah he finished insane. that and switched to this while that was still in like would have been post production because that's that was gonna be so on TV. crazy yeah can you imagine making I mean he's making two essentially making two movies at the same time kind of going back and forth. And then, uh, you know, probably having no idea that one of them is going to become, you know, one of the most important yeah. horror movies of all time. It's crazy. Now, I have a couple notes uh, to double check. Uh, we're doing Minute 45, which should go up October 26th. So nice. we were just talking about the new film in the future tense. It came out last week. That's right. And it was amazing. that's right we loved it (laughs) no i i am gonna try to insert a review as fast as possible when it comes out if i see it that thursday night i will stay up late and try to insert it for friday i don't know listeners will know by (laughs) now when i put it in but also halloween the holiday is coming up next week and we were just talking about john carpenter's music most years i don't have plans on halloween Mm-hmm. Like I grew up without trick or treating because of the church I attended, and as an adult, like I don't have friends that have like Halloween parties most of the time. This year, I have like multiple options, and it's weird because one of them is <laughs> seeing John Carpenter's like concert. Oh, really? He's doing his thing that night. Oh, you have to go. And I'm like, I have to go to that. And then Sugarman Gallery, that I talked about in a recent minute in South Pasadena, has a gallery of Halloween-related stuff. They're doing a screening of the original Halloween that night. I'm like, oh, I have to go. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's I don't like having options. <laughs> well, I will say, if you haven't seen him in concert I haven't. before, it's yeah. absolutely, yeah, it's amazing. I got to see him last year or the year before, and it was it was really, really Yeah, great. I was hoping he had more than just the one night. I mean, seeing him on Halloween night would be awesome. It's pretty but special. Yeah. Some other stuff I might only be able to do on Halloween night, but apparently that's his only night this tour or this go round. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I didn't even know he had any stateside uh, yeah. dates. This, I know he's doing a big Europe tour this year, but yeah, it's funny that you say that because I'm actually going here in Atlanta. They're doing um, uh, Goblin is playing a concert on Halloween, doing a live live concert of the score to Suspiria, playing Ooh. with the movie on Halloween. So that's that's where I'll be. Nice. <laughs> it's a sim- similar thing, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm. I was. I'm. I think I'm leaning toward going to the screening of the movie. Yeah. Because of like I went to. Sugar McGallery did a show there. When was it? A few weeks ago in recording time. And I talked about it in the show because I went there and like, I talked to him about this show and I talked to the guy who was cosplaying as Michael, but like, it was a fun interaction with people that were obsessed with this sort of thing. And I think at a concert, while I enjoy it, it won't yeah. necessarily be something I can talk about after in too much detail. Cause I'm not, I don't know music. I recognize music. I like music. I don't know sure, music. Sure, sure. And so I'm leaning toward that, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had a chance to see it on the big screen before? The original Halloween? Yes. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Long time ago, I think. I know I saw it as a kid on one of the re-releases, because I saw this movie yeah. when I was really little. Like When they were filming Halloween 2, I was five, and I knew what was going on. I got to see them film part of it. Oh, wow. That's cool. And so... At some point in there, I'd already seen the original one and would see it many, many times since. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah, I'll be curious to hear what you uh, what your choice ends up uh, being. Which which thing you end up going to on Halloween? Yeah, I, I wish I could do both. Yeah, like before I heard of either of those things, I'm like, I should just go like hang out by the hedge, you know, and see if people do weird things there, or by <laughs> the houses in Hollywood. Yeah, 
people don't get to do much by the Myers house anymore because it's fixed up and then rearranged by the train tracks. So it's a chiropractor's office. <laughs> well, I guess in some way, Michael was performing. He was a chiropractor on some of his victims, I guess. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, and Sugar Mint Gallery is directly behind it. So their backyard will have a screening of the movie that night. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's one of the disadvantages of living in Atlanta versus somewhere like L.A. is that you guys get all these very cool location screenings. Like uh, I had a buddy that went to, um, I'm, I'm not sure how long ago this was, but he went to a Prince of Darkness screening in the church where they filmed it. Nice. seems like the coolest thing ever. Like would I would kill cool. to go to that. But, you know, we don't get that here very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I was looking at, like, doing this movie, I'm like, I'm going to have to go visit all of the locations and little ways into recording i did i went to every location and took photos even city of industry which is like 30 some miles away from here yeah i drove out there i'm like i might as well get them all that's awesome i I need to do that the next time i'm I'm in la it's not very often but that would be that's a pretty high priority for me that'd be really cool to see yeah we haven't actually talked much about what's going on in the movie so far that's true so back to the (laughs) back to the minute at hand (laughs) Uh, Lori and Tommy are sitting on the couch watching the horror-thon on TV, according to the script. Lori twirls her hair. Tommy's candy bag has moved to the floor at the other end of the couch, mostly out of sight. Oh, and here's where I saw the helmet. Yeah. Or I guess it's the second time. Second 43, as Tommy turns toward Lori, we can see Tommy's helmet again. It has a patch on it, just like the Simplicity 5299 pattern that I talked about in minute 41. Yeah. And part of the helmet also seems to be a translucent plastic, which is kind of fancy. Fancy and or a choking hazard. <laughs> I feel like yes. that's, that's like putting a Ziploc bag over your head. <laughs> like, especially because cause the helmet is cloth, so that thing isn't going to stay away from your face. Right. <laughs> it's going to be moving around. Uh, I love this shot of the two of them on the couch, I should say. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, it's it's nice. I, I know in the commentary, I think it's Dean Cundy that says it's really taken advantage of the widescreen, which is funny because people always talk about widescreen and, and like, like for example, when uh, The Hateful Eight came out, a lot of people complained that it's like, oh, he shot it in 70 millimeter. It's like super wide and it all takes place inside. inside yeah. Like what a waste. But this is exactly the kind of thing that he was taking advantage of with The Hateful Eight is like you can get these super wide shots of people together even though they're not like, you know, right next to each other. It's just, you really get a nice kind of, yeah, it can be done well. The two of them. Um, and I love the lighting in the scene too, the way that they've got those like very harsh shadows cast behind them. That's supposed to be from the TV, I guess. Um, yeah. It's just a, it's a very like evocative, creepy looking, you know, it's not supposed to be like a scary moment. It definitely kind of puts you in that Halloween mood. Yeah. Except for the kitchen where Annie is. Yeah, there's a lot of harsh lighting in these two houses through the rest of the movie. Yeah. You know, there doesn't have to be. Uh, So Tommy asks about the jack-o'-lantern and his comic books and the boogeyman. It's such a kid thing. The way he asks those questions is such an accurately childish way to ask those questions, isn't it? (laughs) And I like that it seems like Laurie is really into the movie. Like, like he keeps asking, like, "Hey, what are we gonna do next?" Like, "Hey, yeah, what are we she's gonna do next? And she's like, uh, you know, later, <laughs> basically. Like, she's really into watching this movie, which is kind of cool. Well, to be fair, the beginning of the thing from another world, there's a lot of dialogue. You got to pay attention. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> she's just a stickler. She's a, she, <laughs> she's a shusher in a movie theater, and a lot of characters in the beginning of that movie too. Oh yeah, there's so many characters in that movie, especially compared to. Uh, 
compared to Carpenter's version. Like in minute 48 of Halloween, I have more notes on that movie because they show the scene where they're doing the circle in the ice. Mm -hmm. And I was writing down the dialogue and I'm like, I have no idea who said that. Oh, I know. There's so many (laughs) That guy said something. Then that guy said something. I don't know who that is. That is one thing that's fairly accurate to the novella, I guess, is that the novella has like 40 characters. Yeah. It's only like 45 pages long, (laughs) which is insane to me. Given so many people. Carpenter's movie is 12 people, and it feels like more than enough to tell the story. (laughs) It actually feels like a lot a couple times early in the movie when they're all together in like the same space. Yeah, you definitely get a sense of them being kind of crowded into that small, you know, cramped into that space. It it reminded me, uh, or yeah, it came after. It reminded me of Alien, also like the beginning of that, where like oh, yeah. when they're at the dinner table, it feels like a bigger crowd than it is because they're just so noisy and interacting, like people who have known each other for a while and been stuck together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Something definitely. Carpenter gets. I th- I assume it comes from the direction because it happens in a lot of his movies where that it feels like these people actually know each other. Yeah, definitely. And well, I he's know he's got with, a good sense of that. With the three main actresses here, if you look at behind the scenes photos, they deliberately went and like hung out and spent time together and took photos as like friends, even though Annie and Linda are actually almost a decade older than Lori in real life. I know, isn't that wild? But the three of them like became friends and hung out. And so in the movie, when they're interacting, there's timing to it and like a sense of familiarity that they feel like actual friends. Yeah. Yeah, I know with um with the thing he did a pretty extensive um re- not rehearsals is maybe not the right word like table reads with with all the characters many many times before they started shooting so that the actors had a chance to kind of get a sense of their interrelationships and a lot of the kind of like um, conflicts between the characters in the thing actually come from the actors that were like hey this would this makes sense that you and I like um, Clark and Childs I know is one of them that they decided the two of the actors decided that they were the two biggest guys on the cast and that that because of that they might be kind of you know butting heads huh. a lot because they're kind of the two tallest strongest guys there so they 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 came up nice. with that that wasn't in the script so you know I think uh, I don't know if they did that with Halloween specifically but that's that seems to be a carpenter thing that uh lets the actors kind of develop those things. I don't I don't think they had much prep time for this as far as yeah. that went and very little production time but they did hang out a lot. Uh, like the last day of shooting when they cleaned up the Myers house to film the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. It was basically the cast and crew cleaning up the place, putting furniture in and painting it. Oh that's funny. As a group, you know, having a good time. Yeah. And they were they were worked out of a Winnebago, so they were having a, they were together. <laughs> That's very funny. I um yeah, just uh not that long ago I got the book. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like it maybe maybe it's called On Set with John Carpenter. Um, Kim Gottlieb's book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, that's definitely all the behind the scenes pictures look like everybody is just having a great time, and they all really enjoy hanging out with each other. So you're definitely right about that. Yeah, yeah. I just I just got to meet her at the Sugar really? Gallery opening. And talk to her about being a guest. I just haven't been able to schedule it with her. Oh, that's really cool. I love those photos. Oh, yeah. And she has great stories about the the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'll bet. And I loved... I haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Uh, She's talking about uh, Ray Stella handed her the Panaglide. Mm -hmm. And she put it on. She's like, if I hadn't continued to be a still photographer, I probably would have done that. (laughs) Because she said it's like a mix between photography and ballet. Yeah. I can because see that. you ha- you're like dancing with this thing attached to you and pointing at the thing, and I'm like that that makes it sound really cool. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that's really cool. You get to meet her. That's awesome. 
Lori tells uh, Tommy there's no such thing. And Tommy says, Richie said he was coming after me tonight, which is not true. Richie did not say that. In minute 17, it was Lonnie who said the boogeyman is coming. But people get the kids confused all the time. It's fine. Yeah, so what is <laughs> what is Tommy's motive here? Is he trying to get Richie in trouble or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, the way they were taunting him from before that scene even starts, they're coming out saying weird things to him. Yeah, they all could have said it. And Richie, Lonnie, and Keith did say he's going to get you. So. Uh, how did they know? <laughs> the boogeyman was in town they set it up they were the ones <laughs> their chanting brought him there yeah they're the uh they're the real uh origin of the curse of thorn <laughs> <laughs> those kids well they do end up meeting michael again in the comics years later oh really yep that's interesting yeah they're all back in the chaos comics and they're still jerks <laughs> second 57 tommy looks down says no he doesn't believe everything that Richie tells him. And the angle on Lori, she smiles, laughs, and the minute ends. That's right. Anything else for minute 45? Um, trying to or think the thing. Or Carpenter. <laughs> well, I could talk about Carpenter forever. but uh, <laughs> Oh, I did like, um, and I don't know if you brought this up in, in the previous minute, but about the dog. Um, I did like, in one of the commentaries... It's um I think it's the castle that says it. He's like uh he says in John's quest for authenticity we actually killed a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. They all play it very straight in the commentary. Nice. But I lo- I did I didn't know the uh the slow motion trick for that shot until yeah. I watched this bit with commentary earlier today. Um that's really cool because now that I now watching it it seems very obvious that that's what's happening, but if you don't know that, it looks 100% legit that that exactly. dog just died in his arms you know well, right it's, and it's even very effective even the slow motion thing how many people how many times do you see someone pick up a dog right you right. know so you see its legs go limp it's that's not a good thing right <laughs> yeah i thought that was very clever that's a um that's an early sign of, of john carpenter's uh he has he has a really smart sense of economy when shooting those kind of things. He'll he tends to him and dean cundy together especially tend to come up with these very quick easy solutions to what would probably be a pretty complicated problem for production to solve. Yeah, and also a simple casting solution there. They have just put the dog trainer in the costume. Yep, yep, that's right. Like whoever was there, Deborah Hill is in the costume to be a shadow, a silhouette at one point because she was there. Right. She's the hand in the opening sequence because they needed a smaller hand. (laughs) Yeah, there's, uh, I I don't know if you've gotten to this yet, but there's, I know the their list is pretty long of people who have technically played Michael Myers. Yeah. Well, in this know. film alone, it's yeah. six, I believe. Oh, wow. It's yeah, mostly Nick Castle. Whenever he's breaking something, it's Tommy Lee Wallace. Mm-hmm. It's Deborah Hill's hands and Deborah Hill when it's a silhouette by the, the Doyle house. Yep. Here's the trainer whose name I still cannot find anywhere. Yeah, I wonder if it's this. I don't think it is the same trainer that they used in uh, the thing because I, I feel like I would have come. I would have come. But that has that. a trainer listed, though, right? Oh yeah, that I, I can't remember his look, name. Off the top I'll of look my that head. guy up because uh, this doesn't have one listed, so I haven't been oh, able really? to figure out who it would be. That's interesting. Yeah, it was it was a big deal in the in the thing because he also owned the dog, um, Jed, who was a whole. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I did a lot of research. I, I don't know why I can't remember his name all of a sudden, but I did a lot of research on the guy because it turned out that like his dad was like the owner and trainer of La- uh, Lassie. Huh. And so there, there was like a whole family of dog trainers. All the Lassies? Because they were a lot, I think. I, at I least think that's one of those original. where they tra- they switched the dog like every season. And yeah. Just, no one can <laughs> noticed. 
<laughs> yeah, I think he he was the trainer of the original or owner and trainer of the original. I'm not sure how many of them down the road he ended up training, but yeah. <laughs> and and then what's his name? Tony Moran was him when for the scene where they take his mask off. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Supposedly John Carpenter was in the mask at some point for the movie, but I've never heard anyone say when. Oh, that's really interesting. I know he wore a mask at the it's in that book on set with John Carpenter, the rap party. Yeah. Three of them had the masks. Oh on yeah, when they were like playing the Coupe music. de Ville's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does that a lot. I, there's a part in the thing when Carpenter is, is actually playing uh, Kurt Russell's character for just one B, kind of B-roll shot huh. because they shot it before they had cast any of the main actors. So he's playing McCready, and then um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but oh, it's it's the dog trainer and um, and one of the producers are playing two of the other characters, and they just have all this winter gear on. Yeah, because so you can't, you really can't see tell. Their faces. Yeah, when they get off the helicopter to uh, to investigate the UFO, that's none of them are the actual actors. It's John Carpenter and two other folks. <laughs> nice. So that is all for minute forty five. Uh, Harper, how can the listeners stalk you? Sure. So you can check out uh, my minute by minute or movies by minute podcast at uh, thethingminute.com, dot com, where we went through uh, the nineteen eighty two classic The Thing. Um. And uh, yeah, my just in general, I'm a, at Harper W. Harris on all social media and all that good stuff. And Harper W. Harris dot com will get you to my website where you can see the uh, I do I do uh, sound for film for a living. So um, you can see things I've worked on recently and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, if you need sound for a movie uh, or podcast or anything like that, you know, hit me up. Nice. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram is actually the one that's more fun lately, Michael Myers Minute, or join the Facebook listeners group 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh?